right. So, you know how these kind of start. We normally just like are in the middle of a conversation. And then we, uh, and then we <laughs> that's how we start. We just say we're in the middle of a conversation. Guys. And here's the middle of that conversation. Yeah. This is the starting of the conversation middle of. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be weird for your audience because they're going to be like, who's this guy? And, and I don't know if he's Jewish. His hair is like, is that, is that, is that going to be what happens? Is I, that do we- I don't know if they'll hear your hair. Oh, you can hear it. Trust me. You're not going to hear it now. You're going to listen on headphones and go, oh my God. It is very loud hair. It's very loud. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, I think at this they'll point. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? That's yeah. not who I think it is. <laughs> at this point, we normally just introduce you and say like, Wyatt. <laughs> you guys are so old fashioned. We're just doing introductions. All right. So I'm Wyatt, I guess. Yeah. We'll say, uh. Something like, hey, Wyatt, how much do you love Script Prom 2? It, it's, it is better I, than anything I've ever experienced. I'm literally missing the birth of my child to be here. <laughs> She's texting me updates. So, photo updates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She looks really happy. <laughs> she's saying you're number one, man. Yeah. She's just like, I wish you were here. And I was like, I know. <laughs> wish I was too, but, you know. <laughs> I can only be in the show every once in a while. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, this exactly. is this is a once in a lifetime thing right here. Yeah, yeah. I asked if I could do Zoom in the delivery room, um, but their Wi-Fi is not good enough. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I, I, and I've talked about this on the show before, but I have like this, you know, affinity for alien related things, UFO stuff, and every once in a while, I try to watch um, Ancient Aliens. And I really just, I can't get like five minutes into that show without wanting to throw something through the television. It frustrates me so much. But last night was like probably the like straw that broke the, you know, the camel's back on that one. They're doing this thing about like aliens in the American West in the 1800s. And then they start talking about Joseph Smith and how he <laughs> probably saw an alien uh it, and it gave him the golden tablets and all that shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> Joseph Smith was a con man, a fraud, a pedophile, and a liar. <laughs> and, and there is no reason why anyone should use anything he did as an excuse for anything. I'm not sorry, Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you brought that up because... I have accidentally watched that show way more than I want to admit. Mm-hmm. And every single time I'm like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. And then immediately someone says something so unbelievably stupid. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I can't, I, I can't do it. If, if the show I, I really was like can't. three minutes long, there could be some unbelievably <laughs> compelling stuff on there, but then they drag it out for an hour and they don't know what to say. And you're just like, no fucking no <laughs> aliens didn't invent hot dogs. You're fucking wrong. Shut up. Well, they're like taking this, book idea from the seventies and and a movie eventually from it uh, that was an hour and a half long and they've stretched it into 10 years of seasons of television. Right. And it's to the point where like, what the fuck are they supposed to talk about anymore? Because (laughs) now they're pulling out shit like, you know, Joseph Smith, small alien and 
and that kind of stuff. And it's and I mean, they spent a whole episode on fucking Bigfoot last night and the Loch Ness monster, yeah, and how they could be alien hybrid animals or some shit like that. And it's just like, wow, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> you know? Could you imagine the number one fan of that show? Cause you know, there's someone out there somewhere. It's like, honey, run. It's ancient <laughs> aliens. Stop what you're doing. Maybe we should be Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> it's him. He got those plates and that's from the aliens. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, uh, I hate it. I really hate it so much. And I watch, you know, some crappy alien stuff, but like, I can't get by on that one. Yeah. It's just, uh, I'm there's, there's a couple things on that show that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, the, those big intricate, like blocks that they find, like in the mountains that have like really super precise cuts in these huge chunks of rock. It's like, oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a mystery. But then they like go on to be like, this is a guy in Vegas and he can't lift one of these rocks with his truck. And it's like, okay, well, fuck. Yeah, it must be aliens. It's like, just just bring it down to like a 15 minute show. The leaps of logic there astound me. Yeah. It's so weird, too, that we can't just be like, yeah, these stones are cut perfectly. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's like, that is it. That's all you have to do. It's yeah. fascinating. You have to be like, and uh, that's why. Um, yeah. People remove their foreskin. And it's like, yeah. well, no, don't do that. <laughs> it's a big leap there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we have to have this huge reason why humans a couple thousand years ago could do things that we could also do today. Yeah. You know, we're pretty much the same evolutionary yeah. wise. <laughs> like the thing is, like today and, we have jobs and back then they had nothing to do but slowly carve these very precise lines <laughs> into stone. And that's what they did their entire life and they died. And now we have jobs in like society to do yeah. shit and things to buy. And so it's like, oh, how did they do this? It must have taken forever. No, it took like three dudes and they just died doing it and now they have a cool square. It took a lot of <laughs> slaves and and, yeah, right? and people that worshipped something that they thought was bigger than them, so they drew lines in the sand, and mm -hmm. that's what it is. I don't know. All right, so uh, this is Script Prompt 2. Wyatt is joining us tonight. He is a actor and an improv-er and... A fan of the show. <laughs> Wyatt. <laughs> I'm an improver. Uh, you know? Wyatt, yeah, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I'm an improver. Uh, so, no, no, uh, yeah, I mean, no, it's everything um, that they just talked about. I am an acting coach as well, um, which is an interesting job on, like, film sets and stuff like that. So I essentially help prepare actors for roles that they take on. Um, and then I, sometimes I'll be on sets too, to be able to prep them before they actually go and film. Um, and then I also have a production company that's called uh, shrug productions with some awesome, awesome people I adore. Don't you do some, uh, like, uh, summer camp stuff with like, uh, kids and teens and stuff too. Uh, yeah, I used to do that. Um, oh, okay. but now honestly, I've just gotten so much stuff. I haven't been able to do it in a while, but, oh, um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, children. I kicked them out of the room. I got big boy stuff to do. I got to be in Birdman where you can't actually see me. It's and a Geico cool. commercial where we can't actually see you. <laughs> <laughs>
Be like, well, why? Were you in that episode of that show where you were like, hey, who's that? Yeah, I was. That's cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's, it's fun. I'm very fortunate in that the acting stuff I get to do a lot of times, um, I don't really get typecast. I get to do a whole bunch of different stuff all the time. So I'm, I'm very, very fortunate in that because um, I know a lot of actors are like, you look tough. You're the mean guy. And so mm-hmm. I just get to do all kinds of stuff, which is cool. That is pretty cool. Cool, cool. All right, so normally when we have guests on the show, Wyatt, we just have, um, so we just go through the normal process, but we really want to give you the opportunity to kind of make some of the decisions. So as we're going through and throwing out ideas, we really, you have the final say on where the story goes. Okay. Good. Yeah. You kind of like take some cues, but kind of guide it yourself, you know? And, you know, you know, just slide it on in. We're going to throw out all the stupid (laughs) ideas we have, but, uh, but we want you to, we want this to be your story. So I understand. So do with it what you will. Um, I'm going to go ahead and roll and we're going to draw some prompts and then uh, we'll go from there. Normally, you know, all three of us will kind of throw out an idea, just kind of get those creative juices flowing and then we'll um, figure out what's next. So rolling. Four. All right. Four prompts. That is a solid number. That is a solid number. It's a pretty good number. I like that one. I hate it when it rolls like a one or a two. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> or a 27. Yeah, when I accidentally put a you know, five die in there. And it <laughs> happens to me all the time. Uh, all right, prompt number one. This is going to be a racing movie. Okay. You know, like right, Ford versus races. Ferrari or, oh, okay. or Talad. Other kind of race. Talladega Nights or something like that. Got it. It doesn't have to be cars, I suppose. It could Maybe be dudes on with their feet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it could be a running Swimming. one. It could be a horse racing one. They should. They could be yeah. giraffe racing. Oh, I don't yeah. know. They got camel racing in the in the desert. Yeah. What about as stupid as this is a movie about race? Does that count? As long as they're running. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Uh, yeah, I would say that. It, it there needs to be a, an element of of a competition, compi- c- competitive. Speed. Wow, you guys are getting very uh, controversial right now. All right, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, there is a setting on a farm. Okay, I see where this is going. Goat racing, <laughs> chicken <laughs> racing. <laughs> I saw a pig race at the the uh, the state fair. That was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> was it? Wait, 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 wait! No, no, no! We we can't just gloss past. It that. was a squeal of a time. <laughs> we may have an opportunity to erase all of this because I just <laughs> drew the trade in three cards card. Oh, oh! <laughs> None of this may matter. Damn it! <laughs> and our last one for this so far is a setting in an office. Okay. Um, so three of these cards we have to trade. <laughs> I say the trade card is one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, However, being in an infinite loop of trading is also hilarious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know normally you guys use the script prompt too. Today it's roll the dice repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to read all the cards today. That's all it is. <laughs> that's just that's the plan. What do we want to do? Other than trade three cards, we we can keep racing and get rid of farm and office. Um, what do you think? 
Which one do you want to keep, Wyatt? I really want to keep Farm because I feel like that is... You, you actually don't see many movies that take place, at least ones that I've seen. Rural films, I guess you call them. You don't see okay. many of those. Okay. All right. All right, let's keep Farm. We're keeping Farm. And I got to draw three more cards. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a genre musical. We're making a musical oh, on a farm. Farm musicals, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> this is way better. Immediately, this is way better. Uh, there's a setting at a post office. Okay, that could still work. I think it still 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 flies. Yeah, small town. Yeah, yeah. All right, one more. Let me find it. All right, pick two more cards. Oh, sweet. <laughs> there we go. It's still right, going to be four, go. right? Oh, no. Uh, no, it's be no it'll be five. All right. I screwed that up. Me and my county. As long terrible. as I don't, like, draw the discard <laughs> ten cards. No. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a nightmare card in there? Is there a card, like, both of you are like, if we get this, we're done? Um, I think it was the porn card, and we got that for the very <laughs> first, first episode. episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is going to throw a wrench in some things. There's a setting out of jungle. Oh, okay. But you can have farms in the jungle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> jungle farm, of course. So yeah, I grew they up clear down one. the Amazon and they make a farm, like in uh, Brazil. Uh, I know all about this. <laughs> I read the news. <laughs> and there's a prop that is a microphone. Okay, okay. Can a microphone also be a megaphone? Because if so, we got a hit. Uh, a megaphone has a microphone on it, so yes. Yeah. Whatever your uh, your thoughts are, okay. uh, were there. Cool. All right, Burn Gully, part two. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking something similar to Fern Gully in the the setting of a a of you know kind of deep jungling the jungle, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe not having. Fairy people and 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 yeah, uh, talking bats. Although the talking bat was the best part. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. but <laughs> no one's like, I love that tractor that came alive. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> I haven't watched Farm Ferngully Farm Gully in a while. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know the same thing as Dances with Wolves and and Avatar, but uh, as a cartoon. Yeah, but with you know. Robin Williams as a bat. Yeah. Yeah. Doing all the genie stuff, but as a bat. But as a bat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically doing, you know, stand up for 40 year olds for kids. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my question because I had a thought immediately from this, but it's kind of dark. I'm okay. Yeah. With that. I don't want to know how comfortable we are with getting dark. Oh yeah, we've done some uh, deep dark shit on this. So go ahead. I, I think we go as dark as you are comfortable with going. Oh, there. oh, all right. Well, we're in for a ride. Uh, let's find out if your audience stays with it. Um, <laughs> so I think it'd be. I'm thinking almost like if this is a film that starts with the ending, and then we see how someone got there. Okay. 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 So it works backwards. So like if you had somebody that is like going postal All right. at the post office, and then we work backwards to see the horrible life events that led to that moment. Okay. But because it's a musical, it won't feel as dark. 
Okay. So he, no, because he gets better as it goes, the movie goes right. on because he gets happy. Exactly. It's exactly. Like a little event <laughs> right before he's like at his happiest. Mm-hmm. Right. I can see it. It's like a reverse uh, falling down. It's going to be falling up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly what it is, right? So it starts the, and then the interesting thing is, I think the whole shooting sequence is clearly a musical number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I think that's interesting. So it would be told in kind of like a, a memento kind of way where it's like intentionally withholding information as part of the style. Yes. Mm hmm. Okay. I think you could do it that way. The other way is to do it almost the musical dork in me is going to come out now, almost do it in like the last five years kind of a way. If you guys mm-hmm. ever saw that where like it starts on the outside and works in. So the ending of it's actually the middle. So there's a movie called irreversible um, that is told completely backwards. Mm-hmm. Like it's not jumping towards the middle, like memento mm-hmm. does or yeah. like uh, the one you just said. Um, right. It it starts with the darkest fucking part, and then it slowly <laughs> kind of goes to the end where uh, they're just kind of like hanging out in a park and having fun. But it's like it's none of that jumping from thing to thing. It's like you see all this horrible shit, horrible shit, horrible shit. A little bit of an argument, a little bit of, of them kind of being okay, and then a little bit of another argument and then just them in a park it, and it's like completely backwards. So it's just like, what the fuck is going on for the first couple minutes? And I think, um, it's a really good movie. It's done by Gasper. No, or something like that. Um, and he's done a lot of just mind fucky kind of movies where, um, they're kind of designed. He said the first like five minutes of it was designed to, to make, someone want to vomit it's like the noise and like the the visuals and like there's like a strobe light going on and it's just like it's it's designed to make you super uncomfortable as you go through the movie and then you slowly kind of if you make it through all that you get the 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 happy time at the end that's fine <laughs> like you can do something like that where it goes straight back or if you want to do it memento style where you kind of jump back and forth to like this middle event right i think so memento has this it's the form of the movie and like how it reveals things is trying to replicate his state of mind where he doesn't remember Mm -hmm. what happened earlier. I don't think that that is so like form and content in memento are tied that way. Like they work with each other so that, because like if you're just watching memento in, you know, the right order, it would be a pretty boring movie because you already know everything. Right. And he would already know everything and stuff like that. I think that with, uh, obviously with what we're talking about, you know, starting from the end and going to the beginning, I I think that everyone would know what happened or not everyone, not the audience, but the characters in it would know. We wouldn't be trying to use it as this kind of like form way of representing a character's state of mind. So I don't think Mm -hmm. memento while it's kind of, Style wise, the same. I don't. I, it sounds more like what you're talking about, Paul, or uh, kind of how like Blue Valentine was, or yeah. what you're talking about with the, the last five years, which I haven't watched. Um, I've been thinking about and working on a script for an idea of this, like 
family kind of drama about, um, you know, a mother who, you know, gets addicted to drugs is, is some sort of postpartum thing. Mm-hmm. And the beginning is this huge fight between her and the husband. And then it goes in two directions. It goes down her path of recovery and down her and, and then reverse on her path of like getting to this point where she was like addicted to drugs, you know? Okay. So you go like middle. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what, yeah. why it's talking about with the, the last okay. five years is that there's this middle point where is this like this explosion. It's really the mm-hmm. climax right. of the story, but you're working in two different directions to go back. And then those yeah. stories kind of parallel with each other. Mm-hmm. And with something like this, though, I actually think what would be because it's so dark, that idea of like, mm-hmm. we're going to watch your main character shoot all these people that are innocent, <laughs> that are like to some extent innocent. When you think of yeah. people going postal, that's a lot of times what it is. It's not a military installation. This isn't like a Rambo situation. Yeah. So like, although that's another funny angle, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that if it works backward, it's interesting because you're you're kind of breaking some script conventions which is like we you gotta have sympathy for your main character Mm -hmm. that's one of the first things to do and we're making it so that's so much harder for us to do but at the same time you're also lightening everything yeah because you're watching you could make almost any events you want that first spurn this action into motion Mm -hmm. yeah and so you could make this like an office space kind of a thing and backwards. And I actually think that getting it out of the way, it's way funnier mm-hmm. if you went that direction. It's, it's kind of how they make you uh, feel bad for Hitler in downfall. We're like towards the end when he's just like falling apart in front of like all his men and his wife and everything like that. And he's just like flipping out over losing the war. You're kind of like, Oh, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if we have this ending musical number where he's just, like, singing and killing people at the post office, right? Right. Then where do we go from there? What, what, what is the, the next step? Because I think that while I, I understand what you're saying about breaking some script conventions and breaking some mm-hmm. storytelling conventions, and I think that that is likely going to have to be right because we're we're telling the story in reverse most movies that um that tell stories out of chronological order still follow you know a kind of Mm -hmm. bell curve of action right and if we're yeah and and it doesn't have to be you know obviously this this him shooting a bunch of people is is a pretty high action part it's so it's not like you have to match that at the midpoint. It's more like mm-hmm. where, what is the story trying to say? And in the order it's being told, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so maybe try to figure out what, what's the end goal. Like what is, is just him at his farm, like singing about like, uh, like how happy he is to be like, have having this farm and being like successful and prosperous mm-hmm. And then, and then we got need to think of, so if that's where he starts chronologically yeah. and he ends with shooting everyone at a post office, what is that, you know, middle ground there? Yeah. Right. Right. There's got to be a couple events that lead you to, if you want to feel sympathy for this guy that are like, okay, 
shit's beating him down and beating him down. And this one person or these several people are the reason why he decides that it's time to kill him in the beginning. So what do we, do we want to make him a sympathetic character or do we want to make him like something's wrong with this guy? What do we, what do we want to do? I think that it's, I mean, we could go really either direction, but I think that watching someone just have something good and then it just taken away from them from just like, because I feel like even if, all right, he shoots a bunch of people, um, almost like uh, God Bless America, if anybody saw that, yeah. where it's like he's kind of taking it out on society itself mm-hmm. yeah. because these people embody these ideas or this message or this thing that took so much away from him. So starting him off as a sympathetic character, that seems totally fine. And we just like watch him almost like the Griswolds from mm-hmm. uh, National Lampoon. Like this is what made me hold a security guard at gunpoint to ride all the rides. Yeah. yeah. I think is going to work in our favor. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. So do we want to make him a farmer that like loses his farm or do we want to make just the farm in the jungle be a stop along the way in his journey from some other, you know, mm-hmm. background. Wait, is he even a postman? Does he work at the post office or is he just a dude who's taking it out on people that work at the post office? I think he could be just a dude that's taking it. I mean, like if you think about if he lives in like a small town, right. And maybe this post yeah. office, you know, is a multi-purpose type of facility too. You know, yeah. maybe they, they have some other, things it's like the bank and the post office or something or maybe it's like attached to a government building or or Mm -hmm. you know maybe there's some other things to do there so like this is something that he feels some sort of uh you know anger or resentment towards the the post office that he wants to to act i was kind of thinking just playing off the prompts if he had like a farm or something and uh you know something happened where it was like possessed by the the state or something like that. And somehow he comes Mm -hmm. to the conclusion that it was, you know, the post office's fault. Maybe he didn't get a letter. Like he lost uh, his uh, check. Yeah. Or something like that. Something like that. And like, he just loses his livelihood because of something that, that he feels the post office did. But I don't know if that's enough to go like crazy uh, shooting people. Well, maybe maybe the post office people held his mail so he wouldn't get these notices that his land was going to get repossessed. And one of the people that held the mail at the post office was like his ex-wife's new husband or something like that. Or like maybe like a, a woman that he was seeing that he didn't know was married, but this guy who works at the post office found out. And so he was purposely holding both his like rent checks or his property tax checks and the notifications from the government that they were going to come and take his land. Cause I feel like that would be some fucked up shit. Cause not only is the woman that he's seen lying to him about being married to this guy who works at the post office, he's also taking it out on him and he's completely unaware of this whole thing that's been happening. Kind of like, um, the, the guy in Breaking Bad who flies the planes into each other, 
where it's just like yep. all this crazy shit happened and then he takes it out on yep. this thing just just to, you know, destroy shit. You can kind of do something like that where it's like this guy, all this stuff was going on behind the scenes. He didn't know about it. And once he finally finds out about it, he's like fucking time to just destroy everything and shoots up the post office to get this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that angle. I think that's actually really interesting to go down. My, when you started talking about Breaking Bad, my head started going into, I know we just said sympathetic, which is <laughs> funny I'm about to say this. Yeah. But what if some guy has a, he's a farmer and he has a failing farm. And um, he, so his, out of desperation, he puts out, like he gets insurance on his farm and then he br- intentionally commits arson mm-hmm. to his farm so that he can get the money from it. And then like, let's say Purdue owns him or, or something like that. So he really can't get out of this situation and his farm is just failing. He feels this is his only situation to be able to get out of the farm life and go somewhere else and make a new start. Mm-hmm. And then like his like address, like the street he's on or something like that has some name that's super similar to another street Okay, that's like down the road. So like, or something like, it doesn't even sound like an actual word. It sounds like a mistake itself. So it's like, it's Bucklebury, mm-hmm. but it's like sent to like Buckleberry. And okay. so then he has to go down to the post office to be like, Hey, really important check was supposed to come. Where is it? And they're like, Oh no, we sent that. And then it's just like whole, he notices that like, he thinks this is what's happened. And he sees the people that are at that address or whatever suddenly have new cars and suddenly Mm -hmm. and just like this rage because the post office just messed up his life is why he takes it out yeah messed up his his scheme Mm -hmm. so you're you you kind of feel for him but then you're also like oh he's a piece of shit who's right yeah trying to scam anyways I, i can see that being that kind of like morally ambiguous kind of character that you don't know if you're supposed to like, like him more, or, you know, this dude's a piece of shit. How do we get him to the jungle? <laughs> I keep thinking that too. I'm like, we went to Vietnam. Uh. <laughs> well, <laughs> flashbacks to Vietnam. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like, I, I don't know how, but like, I don't know where it fits in, but like, if he just hunting after somebody or something, he like goes to Mexico or goes to South America, somewhere to find someone. In mm-hmm. the jungle, but I don't know where that uh, fits into the story the way that it's, you know. Uh, so we keep going further back into how he even got the farm is he, you know, played the most dangerous game and hunted some guy <laughs> in the jungle. And once you catch your prey, you assume their life. And that's why he got this farm and he thought he could hash it, but he was like, nah, fuck it. I'm done with this farm. So he's even worse of a person. <laughs> he's so rich that he can hunt people. He doesn't even need the money, but he's like, I want a different, you know, a different uh, style of life and become a farmer. And then he's like, fuck it. I can't do this farm shit, burn it down. And then he just keeps murdering more people along the way. <laughs> We're completely getting away from him being redeemable. <laughs> he's not redeemable at all anymore. He is an absolute. No matter how good he sings, he's going to be yeah. a piece of shit. Uh, he's- and that's the other thing I keep thinking about is this is a musical and how funny it is to have like some of these outlandish things yeah, yeah. with this guy singing. Yeah doing it because even like if there's a confrontation at the post office 
whether it be with this guy with this guy and you know he's um he's been sleeping with his wife or or hey where's my check where's my check i think either way like a super fun upbeat argumentative song Mm -hmm. is so good in (laughs) that moment if if we went the arson route it'd be funny if he hired someone from another country or had to meet with someone yeah to be able to get this deed done, which then makes it go worse or something like that. I'm trying to think of Paul, like how to make it work within your idea though mm-hmm. of a jungle. I don't know what we can do with the jungle. Yeah. My concern about a insurance check and I don't know, I don't want to get too hung up on details, but like most of the time you can't really cash a, $50,000 check that doesn't have your name <laughs> on it. You know, whether, yeah, that's true. whether the address yeah. is wrong or not. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. So you're not going to get very Darn far it. with it. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe the guy who got the check has like, you know, uh, a cousin that works at the bank and he's like, yeah, I'll give you the money. And, and just like passes the thing. We can make this all in Spanish too. This could be yeah. a Spanish musical in like Brazil or Nicaragua or something like that. <laughs> I do like the idea of some sort of uh, either. I, I, I kind of really like the idea of like flashbacks to some time in the jungle that were really uh, disturbing, whether it be mm-hmm. Vietnam or, or him being playing the most dangerous game in the jungle. <laughs> I'm not even, not even fully <laughs> against that idea. Um, well, maybe that's why he has the gun is he's a Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And you could just imply he did some real messed up things in Vietnam, <laughs> which says on his character. Well, if we set this like in the past, like it's not now, this is like, you know, in like the mid 70s, mm-hmm. right? So it's not completely out of the question that someone could get get away with some of the shit that he's pulling, right? And he, he was like a Vietnam vet. He has his gun and everything he brought back. Um, and he assumed one of his fallen buddies identities cause he didn't want to go back home. And that's why he has this farm now. So he didn't kill this guy to get it, but he, he died in war. He switched the dog tags kind of, you know, mad men style and came back as this farmer guy. And that's why he has this gun. And then maybe some of the other stuff that we mentioned happens too. I don't know. What do you guys think? No, I actually, I think that's really interesting. That's really interesting. The post office bit is what I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. in that one, though. Yes. we're Some sneaky post office detective figures it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is post office police. There was a whole fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> it was Shut like up. USPI or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they have their own investigation. It was, it was really weird. Yeah. Uh, that's not your subscription. It's so weird. I mean, that's interesting if they like go after him for like some sort of mail fraud because of like identity theft or whatever. And it's this big case they've been putting against them. And then he decides to go and shoot a bunch of people in the post office. Not really connecting that like the USPS branch of the government is not really reflected by the the people who are at the uh, the local post office. Holy shit, it has four seasons, and it was called The Inspectors, if you want to 
look up a trailer for this thing. It's it's legit like a shitty like wishbone version of CSI, and <laughs> maybe the the there's a one of those guys, the inspectors at uh at this post office that is taking his his policing at a post office too seriously. Too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea so much. <laughs> it would be interesting if you if you kind of change it a little bit. Um, God, I'm going to spoil something real quick. Um, if you don't want to know the ending of the departed, skip forward <laughs> or work. Um, but if, if like you had something where it's like, you still do the ending first, mm-hmm. um, you can still do it this way. Where it's just, you see these two post office detective just get obliterated. <laughs> and then like, it's the story of them getting too close to this dude and investigating this guy. So it's actually focused on them. Okay. Investigating this Vietnam vet that has assumed someone else's identity. Okay. So we're kind of seeing like two stories kind of happen. We're seeing this Vietnam vet things. And then we're seeing the, the inspectors kind of like, uh, and kind of going, jumping back and forth between them and then like the future and the past and, uh, of what's going on. Yeah. Like that. Um, Okay. That's, you look concerned, Chad. Oh, I was trying to put together the uh, the chronological uh, part of that. I, I was still thinking we go back. Like Chad's to- having a baby over there. <laughs> it's just my resting constipation face. <laughs> <laughs> so I I was thinking, you know, it would still be like we start with this extreme act of violence at the post office. He shoots these two postal detectives. Who and maybe this is a bigger post office uh, in a in a city, you know, a a city nearby. Because I'm assuming that the like the the tiny little post office up the street for me doesn't have post office cops, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he comes in and shoots them. And then, do you think it needs to kind of jump around and be be kind of confusing with the timeline, or could it just literally still maintain that reverse timeline? Just we're focused on different characters now. We're focused on the the two officers and what they're doing. What do you what do you think, Wyatt? I I like the idea of it going in reverse. Like okay. I still think because it's I actually think it's more interesting if this is like an assassination almost. He just blows away these mm-hmm. two people mm-hmm. with just severe prejudice, and you just see him go in, kill these guys, leave. Yeah. Everybody else he has the opportunity to kill other people, and he just doesn't. Is he fighting his way past any other inspectors to get to these two, or is it just go in and get these guys? I, the way I see it, it's like they're almost on like, uh, they're like really deep in files, or the total opposite. They're like on their lunch break, and it's just goes right in. It's this like perfect assassination of just mm-hmm. walks in, boom, 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 boom. Everyone hears the shots and everything, but they're too intimidated those guys to do anything. It would also be cool if you had almost like a confrontation, but it's real quick and it's still musical. Yeah. So you still have the singing of like, it's you, it's me. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it too. And so you mean that I were really, that's right. And like done. And then they sing about dying for a few minutes, right? <laughs> well, you can have we're their dead. ghosts kind of like, <laughs> yeah. like uh, they're getting carted away by death, like, yeah. <laughs> and they're still singing corpses, but like in ghost form. <laughs> that kind of, it reminds me of 
not not the uh, the music part, but um, just the part at the end of In Bruges where Colin Farrell's just saying, like, he's talking, like, I really hoped I didn't die and stuff like that, the way he's talking about it. It's just kind of like mm, out-of-body, yeah. after-death uh, experience of commenting on the, on the um, event. And I would like to have something like that in there where they're, they're talking about their death and singing about it. I just don't know if it's appropriate in the beginning or if that's something that's at the end, like after you go all the way in reverse, yeah, pop it back in there at the end of this kind of like show the beginning again, maybe, or like a, yes. a, a condensed version of it. And then, and then have this song about them dying. I, I kind of like that, that little, like just after kind of the beginning part and the kind of like finish it off. And the one like little final song as he's walking away and drops his gun and he just becomes silhouette leaving the post office. Mm-hmm. The other thing is because it's a musical, you can also tie in musically like them watching it and it can be different musically, but still incorporate some of the same lines or some of the same moments, yeah. but same just theme. it's different. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. They kind of like, that that can set up the theme that pops up a couple times throughout the the movie. Yeah, I, I like that. Great. So we're back around to having an end. He shoots the 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 postal detectives, and we have a beginning, or at least chronological beginning, where he st- steals an identity from some of Vietnam. So he he's he's overseas in the jungle. There's some more stuff. He comes back. He assumes a new identity and takes their farm. Mm-hmm. We kind of need to figure out what those beats are in between that. And what, so if it's a detective story, if it's a, um, what's happening and, and trying to figure that out, uh, piece, then we need to, I, I feel like that's a little bit, it's weird how you structure that in a, in a story that's going in reverse. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the, the detectives discovering that he stole this identity could be like a, its own little flashback and it doesn't have necessarily have to be like the very end. It can kind of be in the middle. So you kind of, or like, you know, towards the, the climax of the movie, like that last kind of like third, third or so um, where they kind of figure it out and you kind of figure out his beginning story. And then it can kind of continue with, the current times kind of up until the the shooting kind of a thing. I mean, I definitely agree with revealing what they're hunting him for should be, should be the climax of the movie or the big like mm-hmm. reveal. I just, I don't know if that, if we need to tell that, you know, we need to, to move that out of the, the reverse timeline. I think that maybe from there, maybe it does make sense to go a little bit further back of like, maybe before he went to Vietnam or and showed his life beforehand and, and why he chose to make that decision. Right. Yeah. As kind of the, the conclusion of that. So like what you know, maybe where he was at when he was in, you know, New York city or whatever, before he went there was just like complete, you know, poverty and, and, and he just didn't want to go back. Right. And then you can, yeah sympathize with at least his initial decision a little bit better and why it was so important that he tried to protect that. Right. Okay. So I, I just got this, um, 
maybe he's like a um a black dude living in New York and like the slums and like in New York and like the sixties and seventies were real shit. Yeah. Like there was so much like arson and shit like that. So maybe he was a gay black man in the, you know, the projects and he just didn't want to return to that life. He wanted to, when he went to Vietnam, he met this guy who he ended up assuming his life. Um, he met this guy and was kind of able to, for the first time show his love like he's been wanting to, but he can't in his community in New York. So that's why he no longer wants to go back to that part of his life. So you can kind of go back and show that his family was shit and found out he was gay and, you know, basically kicked him out of the house. And that's why he joined up to go to to Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. In the first place. Yeah. That makes sense. And it would also be, we're talking about him meeting this person in the service, right? Yeah. Yeah, good, because that was exactly what I was thinking, because I was thinking it'd be so awesome if, because clearly like his lover dies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then that's where he grabs the dog tags. It would be so awesome if like one of the last things I said, like, I need you to take care of, like my, I need you to take care of things for me. Yeah. 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 And like, or something that's somewhat ambiguous mm-hmm. and which spurns that idea of, yeah, I should, I have to do this for you. And mm-hmm. so it's all comes from this really good place. Yeah. Like maybe they, there's like a, a short scene where they're, they're kind of together and he, he mentions that, you know, when they get out of the shit in Vietnam, they're going to go back and live on his farm and, you know, and just live out their days there. But, um, when he gets shot, he can finally say like, you know, take, take, take care of things for me. And that's why he's like, all right. And then assumes his life kind of abandoning that, that past of his family in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I think it, I, I, I do think that, that having this more, um, you know, emotional end that just, that tries to justify his action later. I don't know how much that supports the coming back to the we're dead song. So maybe, we, we, we <laughs> <cut> that out, <laughs> and, and I'm wondering how all it could be this, a post-credit yeah, scene with <laughs> how all this fits into a uh, a uh, a musical in general. But I think that we can get past that for now. Yeah. What if instead of having a weird dead song, it because we assume that's the end of the movie because that's what we see first, and everything leads up to that moment. Mm-hmm. What if we follow? Um, we need to give this guy a name, by the way, yeah. but <laughs> we follow Ben Ben or whatever his name is <laughs> back to the farm in which he is, is having this emotional moment because he doesn't want to go back to his actual life. And that by doing this, he feels that he's honoring this man that he loved and this man that he cares about. Mm-hmm. And like, that can be your emotional climax of it and you can have like police pulling up as this is happening. Like he gets caught. Yeah. So after the beginning part of where he shot the guys, he goes back to the farm and like rips off the dog tags and buries them in the dirt and just kind of waits there as the sun rises or sunsets and and the cops kind of surround them or something like that. And it's like a, you know, one of those sweeping lifting up from, uh, from the heavens kind of shots where you just take a drone on his back and just pull (laughs) out, you know, and then you see all the, 
descending cop cars coming and everything, but you don't have to see anything that happens afterwards. You kind of, you kind of get that either he's arrested or he's shot by one of the cops or something like that. You know, it's all kind of implied as he's hitting some kind of high note (laughs) as the camera kind of floats into space. I, I can see that being kind of like a, a a small redemption for him at the end, you know, having seen the brutal beginning and everything. Yeah, no, I think that that, that adequately, I, I don't want to say justifies, but adds, you know, a reason, right? Like, yeah. I think murdering someone is typically, you know, an act that needs strong reasoning, right? And you can't just mm-hmm. have someone do it unless you're sending him down this kind of like spiral of craziness. Right. But, but I didn't see where we were really going that route. So I I do like that a lot. Um, so if our kind of, you know, our, you know, top of the, of act to, you know, midpoint or not, maybe not midpoint, but climax top of the bell curve type thing is finding out that he, you know, um, you met a, a, a man in, in Vietnam and, and, uh, they were lovers and he died and he took, uh, and he took his identity. And then we kind of, you know, after that, you know, kind of explain, you know, what happened there. Um, and we're just thinking about this in terms of, um, chronologically, mm-hmm. he comes back from Vietnam and he would, you know, have, maybe some challenges in, in, in assuming the farm. I, I think that we need to, because if we're trying to keep that reveal a secret, then I think we need to be pretty deliberate in how the characters talk about the crime that he's committed, what they're going after him for and how he acts about that. Right. Because if, if not, you know, we would just kind of like blow that whole secret out of the water. Right. If in yeah. the first scene, they're like, there's the guy who stole that guy's identity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe like one of the themes that you can set up in like that opening act, um, musical number is that they refer to him as like, maybe like that cold hearted man or something like that. And so when you finally get to that point of seeing him have the lover in Vietnam and some of the stuff he went through with his family in New York before he even went there, then you can see, Oh no, he's not a cold hearted man. He, he deeply loves this guy and he wanted to, to honor him mm-hmm. and he wanted to, you know, leave his, his past and his old family, you know, away because they, they hated him and didn't support him and anything like that. So I think you can kind of set that up with maybe a number that kind of switches in between when you when you figure that out that he's not a cold hearted man that you know I don't I don't know what would be opposite of cold hearted yeah I don't know <laughs> warm blooded dude hot hearted man <laughs> I'm just thinking in terms of like beats maybe he you know if we're thinking about it chronologically but it would go in, it would be told in a different order you know after he gets back from Vietnam and assumes the farm then at some point. I'm assuming that maybe he he would have to do something that you know involved the post office to the point where they would think that he committed mail fraud. Uh, mm-hmm. They would probably show up at his property, you know, sometime in the second act to um, to investigate, but he's not really sure why, or he's he knows why, but it's kind of this like suspicion of why they're there. And then 
you know, move into them, you know, investigating pretty uh, a lot more. And maybe at this point we, we don't know his name, right? We don't know who this person is versus uh, at this point in the story, because we're telling it from reverse. All yeah. we know about him is that he, you know, showed up and shot them. Right. So they're talking yeah. about at that point, they're talking about like, you know, a different guy. And maybe there's like, pictures of one person and you think they're talking about him or there's some like misleading information on the screen in there to kind of throw you mm-hmm. off the trail of what the, the story is actually about. Okay. Because you do have this other man, this the, the person who owns the property and then the person who has taken the property and maybe they have pictures of who the, the original person is right. And they're talking about him and you see photos but then you you that isn't the guy who shot them at the end so you're kind of wondering where he comes to play at right or something like that mm-hmm. yeah and then you know they build their story up i guess or they build their kind of case up i guess um over the course of of the rest of the of the of that kind of gap there from like where the second act is and the first act is right i'm trying to think what 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 is and I know that that I mean I guess technically you know him coming in and shooting a bunch of people is an inciting incident, but what does that do for the story? Uh, you know, other than I mean, kind of it propels the action certainly, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't ask the characters to make any decisions. Yeah. So I wonder if there's something else in there where we can tell the story of the investigators in a way that we're actually giving them decisions to make Mm -hmm. to be more dynamic characters, or they just these investigators that do investigating things and get shot. Right. So I I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like looking at it backwards, it would be the climax if you were telling this full, you know, but it would be the inciting incident in this. So yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. This is going to sound super dumb. <laughs> is the Vietnam vet our main character in this, or, or are we focusing on detectives? Because I feel like you could go either way with this. I feel like you can. And I feel like, I mean, there's always a protagonist and an antagonist. And I think that that's important, but I also think that um, it's not totally out of the picture for, you know, different characters to both have, arcs right to have to yeah. have a a a arc of what what they right. go through right and i think that we we have that arc already for our for the vietnam vet character kind of we see this he's a cold-blooded killer transforming in reverse back to this man who really loves someone and is just trying to fulfill his dying wish right mm-hmm and I think that that's a good arc for him. And I think that's really helpful. I don't know. Do we need the, I feel like the first half of the movie is going to rely a lot on the arc of the, of the detectives or else that first incident of them being shot. Isn't going to, and maybe not. I just don't know if it'll have the same effect if we don't even, if we, if they're just kind of these cookie cutter uh, detectives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can have some kind of, um, I don't know, if we wanted to have, like, the neighbor with the switched uh, or the close enough address, 
you know, that kind of character in there too. There could be some, I don't know, some kind of philandering going on with, uh, a couple mixed parties in there. And at some point, you know, those, those inspectors are doing some harm to our, our main cold hearted guy. Um, I'm, I'm like tying that in. I'm trying to figure out like, what's the first instance where the cops are like, Oh, this is weird mm-hmm. because it is the seventies, right? We said like mid seventies when this is taking place. And so it's like, when we really think about it, like civil rights movement in sixties. So like you could easily just have someone who's like, I don't know why there's a black man on this property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like someone like maybe the, the neighbor who like the, the mixed up with the mail happens quite a bit. And you know, he comes over to deliver some mail that got sent to his place. And he's like suspicious of the guy. Like you're, you're not my neighbor, but like, he doesn't come out and say it but he reports it to the inspectors. Um, so they are like, there's some shady shit going on over there. I don't know where my neighbor is, but there's a guy claiming to be him. And that can almost kind of be the inciting incident because like in a straightforward narrative, that could be like your twist is this neighbor guy who recognizes the neighbor as someone else. So that can come a little bit closer to the guys getting shot. No, I, 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 I like that. So I think what I what I was originally thinking was this idea of not really revealing why he was being arrested too early, but I actually don't think that's a problem because I think the reveal is his motivation, not what he did, mm-hmm. right? So like, yeah, I, I don't agree. think it's a problem to to reveal fairly early on that he's not who he says he is and establish why the investigators are investigating him in that, that context. Mm-hmm. So I think that really makes sense if we we're going to, and we can do this in the order, which is going to be presented in the movie. If we're, if we're thinking about it, they get shot. There's a scene where they, uh, approach him and, and, uh, tell him that, you know, he, or inform him that maybe they bring him for questioning or they inform him what's going to happen. Right. There's a scene mm-hmm. next where where they're told by, you know, a neighbor, and they get then they get the the proof that they need that he's not um, who he says he is. Then maybe there's a scene before that where, or maybe it goes the other way. You get the the the, the indisputable proof. They go and like visit him and do some initial in- investigation, and then maybe there's this scene where where they get a tip that he, someone is living on the property that shouldn't be there. And then you kind of like switch whose side you're looking at a little bit and kind of show him, you know, arriving at the property and then kind of show his story in Vietnam and the story before that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of have that full range of what happened in reverse chronological order. Yeah. I think that works. I mean that, that, you know, if we actually made this, we might need to flesh some stuff out a little bit. But I think there's a couple big numbers in there that could fill up a 90-minute movie. Like, this doesn't need to be mm-hmm. some epic. But you got a couple different scenes in there and three to five-minute song about kind of each scene with a couple little downbeats of them actually doing, you know, some talking like Moulin Rouge. And then, you know, going into the next kind of epic song. Um 
And I think you can kind of flesh out some of those details and some of the, you know, plot points in song as you kind of go about how people are feeling and, and where they're getting this information and who thinks who is being shifty and stuff like that. There's kind of a good amount of a, a three act structure there of inciting incident and climax and then finding the Vietnam thing and finding out his lover. And then um, the last chunk being his backstory before he went to Vietnam and a little bit of the ending of him, like burying the dog tags at the, at the farm or something like that. Yeah. I really like that. And I think that depending on what tone you wanted to have, um, I guess you could do the music as this kind of juxtaposition between like happy things with negative stuff happening on the screen. But I also think you could do it mm-hmm. in a much more like if you wanted to make this into like a serious uh, musical drama, you could have the music be a lot less cheesy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more like part of the culture and the scene and like, and make it feel like it's kind of like sixties and seventies black music and like really yeah, kind of yeah. part of what's happening there. And maybe he is a musician also, like maybe that's what he did when he was younger. And so like he plays, okay. he's like, you know, playing some music in, you know, at the farm and he's singing something and, and it happens to be relevant to the story. And, and so, you could work mm-hmm. the music in in really creative ways, I think, especially yeah, with the... Yeah, I think that could be cool, like some jazz mm-hmm. blues, but then also some kind of like 70s vibes to it, um, and maybe do uh, a couple like anti-war songs kind of in there, because the whole Vietnam era had a ton of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff going on. I think that that could be a really cool way to throw in the music, you know? Yeah, I think that, like, especially with the, like crazy amount of you know african-american culture and music and all that stuff from Mm -hmm. that time period i think you could really make this a pretty interesting movie actually i I, yeah i kind of really like this idea the one thing i'm glad we brought up music because the one thing we didn't incorporate yet was the microphone Oh, God but, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he is like a, a singer, right? He does yeah. a guitar and he does like maybe a, a stage play or like one man guitar kind of thing. That could be something that he does in New York um, where maybe his brother or his sister was in attendance and that's how they find out that he's gay. And, you know, she tells the mom or dad and the dad beats the shit out of him and kicked him out of the house. And then he joins Vietnam. So you can get the microphone Mm, in there. Right. I mean, I think that there's a lot of opportunities to introduce the microphone within the music, just especially if you're kind of doing the musical part is this diegetic kind of sound that's happening. So like he could be at a Mm -hmm. bar and is approached by the detectives and, and there's a song playing that's relevant to the scene that's going on. And I know a woman is up there singing and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot you could do, with the microphone, yeah. um, you know, to make that really interesting and creative. Definitely. Yeah. That's what's so cool about a musical is you can really play with reality, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. having stuff being diegetic, non-diegetic, um, having that happen within a scene, even within, you know, characters talking, you know, there could be a fight going on and then they'll get up and like, sing part of it on, on the stage and then they get back down and into like a barroom brawl or something like that. And you can really play with it 
and uh, do it in a cool way. Kind of like um, not all of it, but a couple chunks of like inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. they kind of like weave it into the story um, in a more kind of like natural way, but still a little bit, you know, not quite reality, that kind of uncanny valley kind of scene that you don't normally get with a, yeah. a lot of movies. Well, you think about the like, it could be cool. Coen Brothers have done two movies like that that are these like pseudo musicals mm-hmm. that have handled that really well with uh, O Brother Rarthal yeah. and Inside Lewin Davis. They're, they're, they both use m- music in that way where it's built into the environment, but it's also part of the story and telling the story. And, and I, yeah. I really like, I'm not a big fan of traditional musicals and I, and I definitely prefer mm-hmm. that more, uh, that I guess more diegetic, like it's happening in the scene and, and relevant to yeah. the story type of music. Yeah. Oh brother. I has one of my all time favorite scenes. I just gotta say the, the fucking sirens yeah. scene where the, they're like washing the clothes in the river and shit. That's just like one of the best shot scenes I've ever, uh, ever watched dude. Like, and they do the, they're like on the platforms and they slowly pan by each other as like the songs going and like, we're pulling out of the river. Such a cool scene. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Besides the point. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, it's funny because I actually like the opposite. I very much so like um, musicals that use music as a way to show the emotion. Okay. Because I, I just think that it's so incredibly powerful and, and I, I feel it can be when it's done right. Mm-hmm. It can be more powerful. Like um, the the way that they did Into the Woods, which is funny because I'm such a huge fan of the actual show Into the Woods. But like the way that they did some of those songs with Anna Kendrick, it was phenomenal. The way that they were like, I was like, I actually feel for Cinderella. What is wrong <laughs> with me? But it's like you did a really good job of pulling me into a scene I wouldn't normally be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's some of the stuff I really like. I know we talked about Moulin Rouge a few times, but like that, that love theme that they, that secret song they have is so incredibly powerful, but that's also what you guys are talking about with some of that's diegetic and some of the best musicals I do know have that commonality in them. So I think that this one could easily do both. I think you guys are right yeah. with, having duality in there, but I got one question. Yeah. So if this person's going back to the farm to assume this person's life, right. Mm-hmm. Is no one at this farm? Well, maybe he came back and like, he took the dog tags and came back and like planned on telling his family. But when he got there, like he found out that his mom had died or something. Right. And yeah, like the last yeah. person that could really identify him, was dead and he just at that point like decided to you know just assume his identity and and take care of his family property right yeah or maybe she's like you know on her deathbed and she like sings a song to him um and that really kind of turns that switch for him they'd be like okay maybe i should stay here and take care of this farm instead of just presenting her with you know her her dead son's stuff like she sings a song, like I'm so, you know, like she's, she's dying like yeah. on her deathbed and she's kind of got dementia a little bit, but she's singing this like super emotional, like personal song to this guy. And that's when he's like, I should really 
honor both of them and take care of this place. So it's not like just assumed by the bank mm-hmm. and, you know, taken away and sold off. That can be, that's very cool. That can also be part of the reason he decides to go back is that conversation he has when his lover gets shot, mm-hmm. he can have a conversation that where he's like, take care of her. And maybe you don't hear all of her. Mm-hmm. Maybe you only hear a little bit of it or something. So that's the initial motivation to go back. It part of that is for that. Yeah. Maybe it could have been like, he, he kept like a journal or something like that of all the stuff he wanted to say to his mom. And yeah. it's like a journal and the dog tags. And that's when he wants to present to her. And, you know, she doesn't recognize him and sings the song and then dies. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this right by both mm-hmm. of them, you know. But that could be cool. Yeah, I agree. I really like that. I think this is uh, actually shaping up to be a really awesome movie. I would I would I would enjoy. Yeah. It. <laughs> I've never seen Les Mis, but I feel like this is better. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, it's funny. Somebody like told me they were like, "Oh, you saw because I saw Les Mis," and they were like, "Oh, how was it?" They were like, "I've never seen it." And I was like. Well, if you like any characters in that film, they're going to die and you're going to be sad uh, for at least a few hours afterward. <laughs> so it's great. I, I like one of my all time favorite movies. It's not a musical, but it's a very, very, very well made and awesome movie uh, called Cinema Paradiso. But it's like the saddest fucking mm-hmm. movie. But I always make the mistake and be like, oh, I love this movie. It's great. It's so fucking sad. It'll make you like weep at the end. And someone's like, oh, no, I don't want to watch that. I want to be sad. <laughs> like, no, but like, it's so good. The reason it's sad at the end is because you feel yeah. so much like the first hour for these people. And then like the, then the last, you know, little bit is sad. But it's like, oh, man, I can't. I got to trick people into watching this fucking sad ass movie. <laughs> just stop telling them it's sad. <laughs> I know. Right? I can't though, because it's like, that's the, that's the main like thing. Like movies don't necessarily make me sad, but like that one was like, Oh shit, damn, this is fucked up. But like, you know, but it's so good, you know? And that's the, that's the reason I, I'm not getting across. I feel like when I tell people about this is that is because it's so happy and then it's sad. You know? Yeah. It's like, all right, so what are we thinking for a title for this masterpiece? Uh, gay Man Goes Bang Bang uh, <laughs> at Post Office. Gang Gang Bang Bang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let's see. So I, I said Cole Hearted Man earlier. I'm not sure if that is uh, one that strikes your fancy. I actually like that. I like it too. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised I like that. No, I think okay. it works well. Cold hearted man. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't give away too much and it, uh, it, it kind of works with the, the character, you know, as you go into the movie thinking that one thing, but then, you know, towards the end, you, you, you switch, you know, if you feel for him or not, mm-hmm. you know, I think it'd be cool. No, I think that's really cool. Yeah. All right. It's that or the Terminator. <laughs> one, 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 two. <laughs> Because he terminates them. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, what do we think about cast, then? Um, who should we cast? So we probably should cast at least the uh, the the Vietnam vet, uh, the two detectives, or, or uh, investigators, post office investigators, the uh, lover, the, 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 the vet that died, is, whose identity he assumed, mm-hmm. and maybe the mother. Yeah, um, I think it'd be yeah. a cool cameo spot. Yeah. Um, all right, so 
uh, black guy, some somewhere in his like mid twenties or uh, early thirties. Yeah, I think that makes that. sense. And someone who can sing really well. Okay. Can Common sing? I know Common can rap. Ah. Oh wait, can John Legend act? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a better question. Can Common act? I like how the movie works backwards, and our thoughts on who can act work better backwards. Um, I, I I think this could be a cool thing for uh, Donald Glover, but I feel like we've used them in a couple movies that we made up. Can um, Donald Glover sing? Oh, he can rap. I think he hits some of the high notes in uh, in his songs. Um, I mean, um, John Legend is in his forties, but he, yeah, he's kind of old. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Hmm. I keep thinking of actors and then being like, I don't know if I've heard them sing. Yeah, I don't know if I've yeah. seen I'm a lot to... of singers act. Yeah. Uh, What's what, what about that juicy Sumlet guy that? Um, that did that weird stuff in Chicago. <laughs> Justin? <laughs> Do you know? It's Juicy it? Summit? Juicy Summit? Whatever his I don't name know. is. I know who you're talking right, about. I just don't know. Um, okay, you guys are going to think this is hilarious. <laughs> and you can judge me if you want. But this man can sing and this man can act. Uh, what if he did Wayne Brady? Oh, I think he's too old. He's like in his fifties, man. Oh crap! You could de-age him. Mm. You could. <laughs> you have to de-age him the whole movie, though. <laughs> um, let me do a little investigating real quick. Well, we can. Well, while you're doing that, we can. Uh, you you want to think characters. about some of the other guys? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, the do we have ideas for like the older woman? Oh, Judy Dench. Oh my, shut up. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Bring her TikTok ass and do this. Um, <laughs> I, I, I also think you could do Meryl Streep because we know she can sing. Okay, yeah, I was thinking like a Sally Field kind of like vibe for this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Meryl Streep could be cool, like a little cameo of her. Yeah, because and she's done Into the Woods. She also did yeah, Mamma Mia. Mia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she does a good job with it. Yeah. Um, okay. So she could easily do it. I dig that. Detectives. Do we have ideas for detectives? We could have Ewan McGregor be one. He can sing. Yes, we can. <laughs> yeah. Do we want this movie to be good or amazing? Uh, whole time watching Star Wars, I'm like, cool. Just sing. Just sing, you beautiful bitch. Um, no, I. It's it's hard because I I kind of want somebody because at first this was like a joke i think it's very funny that this was started off as a comedy um <laughs> tay diggs, but like I, oh yeah tay diggs yeah can he sing i mean he's four, he's 50 years old but he he can sing it's just so oh, old that age that age uh, i didn't realize he was so old all these people look so the, young the guy who played the guy who played um that played How old is Jamie Foxx? Probably fifty. Um, Demetrius Ship Jr. That guy. Who? He played Tupac in uh, All Eyes on Me. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure because I didn't see it. Even though I fucking love Tupac, I don't know why I haven't seen that movie yet. But um, I don't know if you can see it. Kind of, you know, the guy who just looks yeah. like Tupac. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, Tupac. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's just cast Tupac, guys. Um, <laughs> Can we do the hologram? <laughs> the the Tupac hologram. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I actually think that's a that's a good cast. I'm assuming he. I never saw that movie, but I'm assuming he's saying. I'm assuming he's saying too. I think he's like the right age. Um, he's still. What about John Boyega? Is John Boyega ever saying? He's a so Demetrius Ship um, is a music producer. It doesn't really say anything about him singing, and and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much he has. Um, So for um, the detectives, though. Um, his lover that we have is his lover white or is his lover black? I mean, well, if we're doing like if we uh, did Meryl Street for uh, yeah, yeah, then <laughs> yeah. So not necessarily, but uh, but yeah, it would be likely, I guess, in the seventies. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I just did a quick search for black guys who can sing. Um, uh, the guy from. Get out. He can sing, apparently. Um, oh yeah, that'd be phenomenal. What's his name? His name is Daniel something. Daniel something. I can't remember his last name. He's like so far down on this list. Why <laughs> why you gotta do this to me? Uh one of the cops I feel like should be the rock. <laughs> uh. I was I was kind of <laughs> I was actually thinking um uh Ethan Hawk for one of the cops. I think that could be cool. Yeah. I don't he, know if he, he can, can sing though. I don't know if he can sing, but he can probably kind of stumble his way through some stuff. <laughs> Maybe the other cop kind of carries the, the singing. You well, if do we're doing you and McGregor, if we do you and McGregor, Oh yeah. Hugh Jackman would be cool. Do those two. You and, Oh yeah. And, Hugh, Jackman uh, Hugh Jackman. And, uh, they can sing like, yeah. Uh, then they were both in Moulin Rouge, yeah. right? Uh, well, Hugh was Les Mis. Oh. Ah, that's right. But he can sing still. Yeah, he can. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what if his lover was Tom Holland? Ooh. Ooh, I kind of like that. I can, I can see Meryl Streep being uh, Tom Holland's mom. Yeah, that's, I was trying to work backwards. I don't know if Tom Holland can sing, though. I know he can dance. Yeah. Yeah, because he did... Um, he, oh, my God. Uh, Billy something. The kid that danced all the time. <laughs> Oh my God. What is it? Dance Billy. That's it. Uh, <laughs> That's my favorite movie. Dance, Dance Billy. Billy. That should be the name of this. Dance Billy, the Terminator. <laughs> I mean, we all know that Zac Efron can oh, sing. Oh, there you go. And he's a pretty boy. Oh yeah. Oh, and he's jacked out of his mind mm. too. Oh, why don't we do a, a young cop and an old cop? So Ewan and, uh, and Zac Efron. Oh, I was thinking that for the, uh, for the, oh, for the lover. Oh, Vietnam. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Never mind. Yeah, for the lover that works. Yeah, and also he's jacked. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he is. <laughs> it's so enormous. Seen his pet. Who's people will be so? We'll just make sure his shirt's off in every scene, just in case he can no longer sing. Like this is fine. Um, the shooting, the part where he gets shot. By the way, I figure is a big tap dance number. <laughs> we didn't talk about that. They're um, trying to but... be quiet in the jungle, so it's just tap dancing through. Like, the Viet Cong is, is tapping the bullets at him. 
the all of the all of the war scenes are just big dance numbers. Um, th- <laughs> that makes sense. What about the nosy neighbor? Um, uh, fan favorite uh, Louise Guzman. <laughs> He's been in a musical, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not everyone in the musical needs to sing. That's true. Some of the people can, you know, do the Taylor Swift thing, just kind of like talk loud with music. But, uh, you know, I like the idea of Jeff Bridges, but it's my fault. Okay. Okay. Going a little older with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the old racist white dude. That's like, why is there a black guy living at this house? Right. All right. Um, so the guy's name is Daniel Kalua. That's, that's the guy that can sing. That's from get out and black Panther and all that. His name is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Kalua. That's awesome. I might be saying uh, that wrong. <laughs> it's A L U U Y A. Could be Kalua. I don't know how to say this name. All right. So hear me out. No Nosy neighbor, Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> There's a guy. Maybe it's Jeff Bridges and Gilbert Godfrey. Like there's two of them. <laughs> And they're like brothers, <laughs> but they're like really country. I mean, I think it's, you end up having the, um, the lyrics being kind of spoken word and <laughs> in there and, yeah. and it's not really a song, yeah. you know, I'm sure they did that in Aladdin with uh, Iago. Yeah. I think it works. I dig it. And we should just give them a ton of pet ducks that just say Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Affleck. <laughs> I, I He's think also in an insurance commercial where no one can see him, Wyatt. So you <laughs> perfect. Was he also in Birdman secretly? Um, what if, um, what if we actually like, because we talked about this guy so much that I feel like it would still be good to put him in. Like, what if we did Hugh Jackman as the neighbor? Okay. Cause he is older. He can say, and I feel like that character needs to be white because Part of it, I think, is racism. Is that suspicion? Yeah. We know he can sing. He can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works for me. I like it. So let me. Uh, so let's just backtrack. What? Who? Who did we decide with? We we had. So Daniel Kaluuya um, is the the main guy. Um, yeah. Zach Efron is his lover in Vietnam. Um, Meryl, Meryl Streep is his, his, mom. his mother. And then the yeah. two post office inspector cops. Are Ewan McGregor and I thought I thought that that was gonna be Hugh Jackman, but we we, we well make it Chris Pine then because we know Chris Pine can sing. All right, all right, that works for me. I can see him as a cop, and then yeah. the neighbor is Hugh Jackman and Jeff Bridges, or Hugh Jackman and Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know my pick. Uh, <laughs> Let's go with uh, Gilbert Gottfried. There you guy. go, perfect. That's fine. <laughs> Um, do we need like, uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's father back in New York? You want to do like seal? I think he's an old man that can sing. Yeah. Um, get him an Oscar or, uh, (laughs) you know, supporting, supporting actor nod. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we talked about, um, having Wayne Brady. Oh, (laughs) but he was too old. Wayne Brady could be his his dad. Yeah. I think, yeah, because, you know, I remember the skit where, you know, Wayne Brady <laughs> has to slap a bitch. 
So <laughs> I, I think he can pull on the, the, the evil guy if he needs to. Yeah. I like that. Giving him an evil turn in this. Cause that's also an Oh shit moment. Like why, why would he leave his Wayne Brady dad? Yeah. Oh, cause he's an asshole. <laughs> it's not Wayne Brady dad. <laughs> uh, so we got a cast and we got a title. Any thoughts on what the, uh, you know, podcast cover art would look like. Ooh, I like that scene. If we're going to, I don't know if we want to ruin it, but we're not making this movie, but like the scene of him, like at the farm and like the cops kind of surrounding the guy on his knees at sunset kind of a thing. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Then you do the title up like in the sky. I don't think that ruins ev- like ruins ruins yeah. it. I think it's just more of adds some context and, mm-hmm. and no one really knows what that is. So I like that unless yeah. we had any other thoughts. Uh, I think just do a letter because that's the incident that makes everything go. Okay. All right. All right. Um, or you could do dog tags. Dog tags on like the flag that's up on a mailbox. Yeah. yeah. Tie in the mm-hmm. postman thing. There you go. Okay. With a microphone. And then there's like a little splatter of blood <laughs> on the mailbox or something. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That That's, that's cool. All right. Well, I'll, I'll work with that. We'll see what, uh, what we get out of it. Cool. Cool. Cool guys. Cool. I think that's uh that's a movie. We did it. Yep. Wow. So, uh, do uh, do you guys want me to send you send me all your my cash. W9 yes. or <laughs> <laughs> you were actually paying us for this? Oh, uh, crap. I knew it. I <laughs> you, knew you it. Know what? You know what? Just, just give me your social and we'll, okay. we'll deal with this later. Yeah, we'll call it. We'll call it even. Okay, good, good. All right. <laughs> well, how about uh, Wyatt? I don't know if you have anything you'd like to plug, uh, website, uh, Twitter, whatever, anything that you'd like to put out there that you think our audiences may be interested in. Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is um, I'm really, really proud of the films that we make at, at Truck Productions. Um, we do a lot of like competitions and stuff like that as well. So like we make films in 48 hours and 72 hours and things like that. We have upcoming competitions for that. So, um, if you know, people like that kind of stuff, um, to see us like pitch movies and stuff like that in this short amount of time, we literally do this and then we make it. Um, and we're also like very, very sleep deprived, but surprisingly (laughs) some of the stuff that I'm the most proud of ever done in my entire career has been um, the work that I've done with Shrug. So check them out. Uh, we're on Facebook. Um, you could, We have a website. Um, so you can check all that kind of stuff out. Um, but yeah, if you, the biggest one is our Facebook site or YouTube. So you can always type in Shrug Productions and our stuff should come up. That's great. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ScriptPromp2. You can check us out at ScriptPromp2.com. Email us at podcast at scriptprompty.com. And if you like what we're doing and you'd like to hear more of it, check us out on Patreon. Be like Wyatt. Check us out and subscribe on Patreon. Patreon.com slash scriptprompt2. It's not that much money. And sometimes, you know, you we talk about you on it. So go ahead. And- <laughs> yeah, we would really like to talk about other people than Wyatt. No. And, you know, if... We really like you. Maybe we'll bring you on the show, and that's always awesome, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to thank you for being on with us, Wyatt. That was a lot of fun, and I hope to have you on again. I'd love to. Yeah. Cool, cool. Thanks, man. See ya. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.